Well, good morning. It's good to be with you today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And hold on, we're going to try to go through the whole chapter in 30 minutes. So, so hold on to your seats and we'll see what happens here. Um, once again, I just want to uh, thank the chapel for their ministry, specifically the worship team. It's been a great, great blessing for us. I want to really thank you for that. Uh, this week, I uh, pulled out the Declaration of Independence and read through it. I thought I should, being a good American with Fourth of July coming, it would be the right thing to do. And I was interested in a couple things as I was reading through it and doing some uh, Googling. You know, you can find anything with Google now. But um, what I didn't realize is that I didn't realize how many Tories there were in this nation at that particular time. I mean, some estimates suggest that 20% uh, of, of America were Tories, people that were saying basically, and this is how they kind of reasoned. They said, look, um, it's not so bad being under Britain. Okay, I mean, we got problems, but it's not so bad. I mean, after all, they helped us quite a bit in the past. And the guys writing the declaration are saying, yeah, but it's bad now. They may have fulfilled a purpose at one time, but like, not now. You know, it's, it's done. And, and the Tories also said, okay, okay, well, but if you don't like Britain, you know what's even going to be worse? If, if you, like, put Britain off and happen to win the, the battle, the war, anarchy's going to roll. I mean, every man's going to do what they want to do. It's going to be an absolute mess. And, and this was part of the argument. In other words, they were saying, let's stay with this because at least this is better than that. Instead, in God's good grace, the nation came up with a constitution, didn't it, several years later. And America was born. I was thinking about that analogy a little bit when I came to Galatians chapter 5. Because, frankly, if you were living in the first century, around this time, there was a group of individuals who reasoned the same way. You see, if we were in the first century, oh, and suppose it's uh, 50 AD, the vast majority of us would be Jews. Do you realize that? I mean, the first Christians for years were all Jews. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of all they knew. And here was part of the struggle. When Christianity moved out and, 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 and Paul was, was, was the maverick at the forefront of all that, when Christianity moved out into these new arenas and, and reached out to Gentiles, you've got Christian Jews scratching their heads saying, no, wait a second, like, you mean they can become Christians without going through Judaism? I mean, like, like how does that work? And there was a big conference that they had in Acts chapter 15 to wrestle through all this. And they came out saying, you know what? It's only Christ. It's not your ethnicity. It's not even the Old Testament covenant. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to go back and do all those things anymore. I mean, it just, it had people really on edge. On Galatians, Paul is in an area where he's ministering to a group of churches and they're virtually all Gentiles that are coming to faith in Christ. And you've got some quote-unquote Jewish Christians, and I say that in quote because they really weren't Christians, who were coming into town and saying, hey, whoa, 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 you can't buy what Paul has to say. You've got to stay with Britain. You've got to stay with the old covenant, man. Because 
it, it's, 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 it's not Christ is central. It's Judaism is central. And Christ is only an attachment to it. And you got people in, in, in Galatia scratching their heads saying, well, maybe that's true. I mean, like God worked through the Jews for centuries. Maybe, maybe that is true. And then these Judaizers, these quote-unquote Jewish Christians, also came along and said, by the way, if you take the Old Covenant, the way the Jews used to live for years and years and years, I mean circumcision and the feasts and, and, and the de dedication, all the days, if you put all that stuff aside, you're going to drift over and you're going to just drift into anarchy. Everybody's going to do whatever they want to do. You're going to be, you're gonna, you have a problem, just, just it's going to be a mess. Just the same way that the Tories argued. And what happened with America is America said, Britain, no. Anarchy, no. Constitution, yes. You know what Paul said? Old Test, the, the old Jewish covenant, no. License, doing your own thing, no. Life in the Spirit. See, that's how Paul is going to argue in Galatians chapter 5. I've just kind of given it to you in a nutshell. I guess we can pray and go home. But we won't. We're going to read the text. Does that make sense? Now, here's the issue. As we work through this text, my guess is nobody in here, I'm going to say, no, I wouldn't have to do exactly what Paul says. Because in Paul's day, he's got some Gentiles that are thinking, maybe Christ isn't sufficient. Maybe I've got to go back to Judaism. My guess is nobody got up here this morning in this, car, in this group and said, you know, I'm really thinking about going back to Judaism. It's just, man, I, I don't know. What do you think, honey? Yes or no? My guess is nobody got up and thought about that this morning. But do we struggle with systems of legalism in our day? Absolutely. I mean, it's different. But at the core, it's often the same. So Paul is combating that. And we're going to look at some examples of how that happens in our own day as we work through the text. Make sense? But for all of us, all of us are concerned that we don't move into license. And I've met Christians that say, man, I'm just like free in Jesus. I can do whatever I want. Hmm. Then you don't understand freedom. Because freedom doesn't work like that at all. So notice what the text says here. Galatians chapter 5. He's going to, at first he's going to argue, he's going to say, look, stay away from systems of legalism. For them, don't go back to Judaism. Because what is central is Jesus, not those systems. Okay, look at what he says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. talks about to return to this would be devastating. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. That's pretty strong, isn't it, folks? You know what he says? If at the end of the day, that which you trust and that which you rest in is a system, then you're damned. Because the only hope is Christ. And, 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 and now these Judaizers were saying, well, we're not denying Christ. We're just making him an attachment 
to a system. What's most important is that you become Jewish. That, that you abide by our external law. So at the end of the day, what is it that you're trusting in? Do you see? You're trusting in this system out here. And, he's, and Paul's saying, if you choose to go that direction, then you're not trusting in Christ alone. Notice what he goes on to say here in verse, uh, verse 5 and 6. Here's the, here's the real option. This is the one that we, that we all embrace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith working through love. Do you see the key words that are repeated there? Christ, Spirit, faith, and love. Do you see that? And what he's saying is, look, at the end of the day, it's about Christ. He is central to everything that we are and do. And it's being empowered by the Spirit so that as we trust and follow Him, we move into our world and we love the people around us. Paul's saying, that's it. it it's, it's not going back. It's going forward by resting in that alone. So, if you're living in the first century and you're hearing all this stuff, you're hearing Paul, you're hearing Judaizers, you're saying, at the end of the day, how do I find acceptance with God? And Paul says, it's in Christ alone. Because when you accept Christ, all of the promises from the Old Testament about a new covenant through the Spirit are, are, are now come to you. And you get to have the Spirit dwell within you he then leads you and guides you and empowers you into, into the ways of Christ. See, that's what it's all about. Now, in verses uh, 7 to 12, Paul's going to unpack a little bit the, 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 the opposition, the temptation to go back. And listen to what he says. You know, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul scratches his head a little bit. Because he says, you know, as I look at you churches in the area of Galatia, um, it, it seems like you had it. But, but now you're facing this outside pressure to move away from what you were taught. He goes on, look what he says. This persuasion did not come from him who called you. God is not behind it. Bottom line. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You always got to be careful. People that kind of slip in, they say things and it sounds kind of good. Before you know it, man, the whole thing's infected. Careful. I have confidence in, in you in the Lord, though, that you will adopt no other view, verse 10, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, whoever he be. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. And I have to tell you, sometimes when you read verse 11, you say, like, what in the world's Paul talking about? I think what he's saying here is this. This is really interesting. It, it, it may be, and we don't know all the ins and outs, but it may be that some of the Judaizers, these guys who were following Paul around and, and trying to really um, overturn what he was saying about the gospel, were saying, well, you know, at the end of the day, Paul's a Jew. And he's going to get back to saying the same thing that we're going to say, that we're saying that it's ultimately about being a Jew. And Paul says, that's not true. Because Paul says, for me, 
The reason I'm being persecuted by all kinds of lost Jews out there is because they realize something. It is not about a system. For me, it is about the cross. And at the cross, I find out that I am a miserable sinner who can now be forgiven. Because God himself has come in the person of his son and paid for the sins of the world. And at the cross, we are all humbled. I can't say, yeah, but I have this and this. Nothing. I have nothing. At the cross, I come humbly saying, Lord, I'm lost and undone. There is no other way to turn this around but for you to come and forgive me. And in that one moment, I'm forgiven. And Paul says, that's my message. And therefore, Jews can come and Gentiles can come. And it doesn't matter. They can all come. And because of that, lost Jews were saying, well, then that's more important than this. And Paul's saying, you got it. Got to watch how far I walk up here, huh? Okay, there's like, there's like, it's like one of those, those fields. Does that make sense, folks? I mean, that's what's going on here in this text. And then Paul says these words, and I won't go into graphic explanation here. I'll just read it. Look at verse 12. Would those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves? Um, makes you scratch your head a little bit. He's talking about circumcision. And Paul basically saying, you know what? Let those Judaizers just castrate themselves. I mean, that's what he's saying. And on your surface, you say, Man, that's kind of hard of Paul, isn't it? I mean, like, hello, Paul. Where's the love in that one? Unless, unless this is what Paul means. These Judaizers are already under judgment. They will face it one day from God himself. And at least if they physically ex- experience what they will spiritually experience one day, Maybe they'll come to terms with where they are before God and be able to deal with it. I wonder if maybe that's why Paul says what he says there. But either way, it's a tough text. Fair enough. So you go through these first 12 verses of Galatians 5, and Paul says, look, watch out for legalism. Now, folks, like I said, nobody in here is thinking, I think maybe, should I go back to Judaism? Shouldn't I? (laughs) Nobody's there. But we have entire institutional systems in our day that promote this, don't we? Um, my, my wife had an opportunity uh, this, I guess it wasn't this past week, but within the last 10 days. Um, she's been discipling a, a woman in our church and having a great time there who has a friend that is of a Catholic persuasion. And, and are there Christians that are in the Catholic church? Of course, of course. I understand all that. I, you know, yes, I know that. But this woman has bought into Catholic dogma. And Sherry had a chance of meeting with this woman and trying to talk through some of these things, and it was a firestorm. I mean, my wife's a nice person. I mean, she, you don't get much nicer than Sherry. And it was a firestorm. I mean, I, I, I was kind of interested about that. So there's a possibility of a follow-up where it's her and my wife and a priest and me. So I don't know. I don't know what will happen with that whole thing. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. That could be like a really big firestorm. I hope it'll be, you know. So you think, is that even productive? I don't know. Whatever. We'll have to see what happens. But... But, but here's the point. You know what saddened me? This woman wrote a 13-page letter explaining how she believed. And at the end of the day, you know what she said? She said, you can't really fully trust the Bible. What you can trust is the traditions that came later to explain how to live life. And if people are just sincere 
They can be of a Jewish persuasion. They can be of a Buddhist persuasion. It doesn't matter. If they're sincere before God, they'll, they'll go to heaven. You know, I read that letter, or my wife read it, that part to me. I thought to myself, that's much of our world, isn't it? Folks, that is crass legalism at the very core, isn't it? Here, if I just go by this tradition, this system of rituals, whatever they entail, if I work hard and do my best, and I'm sincere, I'll be okay. And Paul will say, you won't. The only thing that will bring acceptance with God is Christ alone. Nothing else will. I uh, know two men connected with our church who, are, who I would consider, the one man I would consider my friend. And he is a moral, he, morally, he's as moral as most anybody in here. Good family man, loves his family. A Christian? Not at all. Interested in spiritual things? Not a bit. Moral? Yes. Thinking he'll be okay at the end of the day? Yes. And you know what, folks? That's pure legalism again, isn't it? It's a system outside of Christ to find acceptance with God, and it doesn't work. You know where else it concerns me? It concerns me with my children who grew up in Christianity. I mean, you know, like I, I, I teach this stuff. And, and, and the last thing I want my children to do is to grow up in my home and come out of it and thinking to themselves, you know, dad's a good moral man. You know, he's a good family man. He's nice to his neighbor. Talks about Jesus. Good stuff. And what I don't want them to do is just kind of go out with this kind of moral idea that it's just about kind of being a good person and you know, like my dad was. Because I've seen too many young people that have gone out with that model and they've walked away from Christ. You know what I'm saying? And, and I want my children to know at the end of the day, you know, some of the standards we have in our home, they're just my opinion. And that's all it is. It's just my opinion. It's my best guess at how to apply a principle. That's it. Other stuff is like really clear. Adultery is not a good guess. It's wrong all the time. Okay. But, but other things look. And I want my kids to know, but you know, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to wrestle with is just what it means to follow Jesus. It's all about him. It, it, it's not, so don't get confused and develop this system out here. I want my kids to be passionate about Christ at the core. Don't you? Yes. Isn't it our concern as parents? And if, if we're not careful, even in a good church, they can get the wrong message. Paul says, it's all about Christ, life in the Spirit, Living in faith toward Jesus and extending love to others. That's what it is. So on the one hand, he says, don't go back. Don't be involved in legalism. Don't go back to Britain. <laughs> Forget it, you know? But don't move into anarchy either. Don't just like do your own thing either. That's not going to quite cut it. And that's where he picks up in verses 13 and following. Legalism, no. License, no. Because liberty... It's not living the way Doug Finkbeiner wants to live. Liberty is living as God has designed me to be. That's the truth. 
So look what he says, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But rather through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know what Paul says? Paul says, look, think about this, folks. The Old Testament had one primary purpose when you look at God's salvation history. It was to prepare us for Jesus, right? And when you read the Old Testament and you see all these laws and you see all this blood and you see all this stuff, you keep saying to yourself, I can't find acceptance with God. I am a sinner. That's good. That's good. So it's constantly saying it's pointing somewhere else. It also has commands running all the way through it. And Paul says, in some sense, you could summarize them all as saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. At least the, the ones horizontally, not the vertical ones. And so what Paul says is, look, the whole law is pointing and it's pointing to Jesus. And in Jesus, he fulfills all of the stuff about the sacrifice so you can be forgiven, all that. And you know what? He empowers you to live out the way the law was talking about anyway. So you don't need the law. That's an old covenant. You don't need it. Because it's all fulfilled in Jesus. So you don't have to be under the law because the law is fulfilled in him. Notice what he goes on to say. If you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. <laughs> so Paul says, look, okay, okay. Um, you're not under the old covenant law. That doesn't mean, all right, man, I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Because if you do whatever you want, you're going to just hurt people. No, 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 no. You have been freed to finally learn what it means to love in a way that nobody else can because you've known his love and you can now extend it to others. Talks about the power of this in verses 16 to 26. Notice what he says. But I say, here's the answer. Okay, you're not under the old, but you don't have to move into license. Let me, let me say this real quick, then I'll read the passage. Years ago, I couldn't believe it. I was at a conference. I, this just really bugged me. I almost got up and walked out, but just listen to this guy speak. No joke, I'm not kidding you, that's what he said. He said, you know, the Bible has some really clear, specific standards that it gives us. Don't lie, don't steal. Don't. Good. Yeah, I was all for that. Yep, good, good enough. But you know, what I do in my church is I overlay with a bunch of other standards and regulations that aren't specifically found in the Bible. Because I figure if they... If they violate some of those, at least they'll keep some of these. What do you think of that, about that, folks? I think that's like heresy. That's terrible, isn't it? Now, I'll give you these higher standards so you'll keep these. That's not the way it works at all. In this passage, he says, look, if you want to live the way God wants you to live, you know what you do? You don't give people more rules and laws. And that's what they did in the Old Covenant. You walk in the Spirit. So that's what he says here in verse 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit. And you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. You see, we're in a warfare. For the flesh that bent within us toward evil. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so you may not do the thing that you please. You know what he says? You only have two options in all of life. Spirit or flesh? 
That's it. There's not three. So you can't say, well, you know, I was thinking about this one or that one. I was going to kind of do this. No, 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 no. Whatever you do, it'll either be here or it'll be here. We are in warfare and there's life, life in the spirit. And then there's the way of the flesh. And the flesh is about depending on myself, depending on other standards, doing it for me, being self-centered and self-dependent at the, at the end of the day. Whether that looks like the Old Testament law or whether that looks like Doug Finkbeiner just being a good moral person that everybody claps their hand and is impressed with when they see him. You know, whatever it is, it's flesh, plain and simple. And Paul says there's two options. He says walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You don't need this, and you don't have to go into that. You can really be something different. Paul goes on to say this. If you want to know if you're living in the flesh or living on the Spirit, it's pretty obvious. This is what you look at. Look at what he says here. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. <laughs> Paul says, man, I could go on and on and on and on and on. I give you all kinds, but I'll just give you a list. But you know what, what, what tends to kind of group the, this list together? It's all about pursuits that promote Doug and use you. Do you know that? That's what, so why do, I, why do I envy you? You know why? Because you got something I don't have. Why do I dispute with you? Because I want what I want. Why do I go around and carouse and get drunk and everything else? Because all I care about is who? Me. And Paul says, look, if you stand back and watch, it becomes very, very obvious where people live. Because there's this lack of love that manifests itself in self-centered, people-abusive, people-hurting kind of behavior. He finishes up by saying this. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because Galatians is all about salvation is by grace through faith alone, right? We all believe that, right? We are saved and forgiven and brought into a vibrant walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ through his spirit. And that's, that's the life of a Christian. And Paul says, you know what? Everybody that's a true Christian will struggle with this battle of spirit and flesh, won't we? I mean, we all do. Look, unless you're not breathing, you struggle. But people that no longer struggle and become engulfed and just living a life of, of lovelessness and self-centeredness and just moving in that direction manifest itself, manifest that they never came to know this Christ in the first place. Because to know him and to know his spirit is to be a different person. Doesn't mean we don't struggle. We all struggle. But it will evidence itself. I mean, how do you know I was born physically? I was born in 1959 in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Anybody there? How do you know I was born? Well, you're breathing, pal. You're right. I'm alive 
which shows I was born. And Paul is saying for the Christian, they don't have to go back to a legalistic system. They don't have to go into license because license at the end of the day, if it becomes a pattern of one's life over an extended period of time, it becomes indicative of the fact that the person was never a Christian to start with. Because people that have known Christ and, and have come to know him through his spirit are people that begin to move in a different direction. Not perfectly. Oh man, do we ever flounder. You know, three steps forward, two steps back. It's all true. It's all true. I don't deny any of it. But there is an orientation shift, isn't there, folks? You see? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know what he's saying? When at the very core of your soul, it's about Christ. And you get up every day of your life saying, God, in accordance with your word, may your spirit lead me to obey my master, Jesus. I don't really care what people think and say and all that other. What I care about is what you think and say. Lord. And I need you, Lord. I, I, I so need you to live this life today. I'm so given over to my own self-centeredness and all that stuff. Help me, God. That's the prayer of a Christian, folks. A daily prayer of a Christian. And, and what happens is when we make those kinds of prayers, we begin to say, see changes from the inside out, don't we? And when, what we see are things like gentleness and self-control and kindness. And you know what? You don't need a law, do you? I don't need to come to you and say, you know what? You're loving too much, man. You need my outside standard. No, it's all coming from the inside out from a relationship with Christ. That's all you need. He continues. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You know what he's saying for Christians? Be who you are. You know who you are if you're a Christian? Christ forgave you one day. And when he forgave you, all sins, past, present, future, forever gone. I will never stand be, be condemned before God at the end of the day. You know that, folks? Never. <coughs> Why? Because I have a great track record? <laughs> Not last I checked. Yes, my family. Because I've come to accept him and all that he did on the cross was applied to me. And when I became a Christian... God gave me new desires and new, new abilities through His Spirit. And this passage is saying, look, just be who you are. You are a new person in Christ. You have a new direction. You have a new mastery. You have new possibilities, new passions. You know what? Go with what you really are. And in verse 26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. It's kind of funny in the Christian life. And once again, it gets back to a lack of love. If I think I'm better than you, I demean you, don't I? And, and I'm always challenging you, like, you know, get your act together. If I think you're better than me, I'm always envying you. And this text says, there's no place for either one. 
Because you don't need the approval of people. It's not about people. Oh, they're there to love. It's about me. So at the core of your heart, it's Christ loving him and following him. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He lives within me. It's all that, isn't it? And he says, when he is so central to your life, you are then freed to love. Because I don't have to prove anything. I don't need to manipulate you. I don't need to get anything from you. I've got it all with him. I am then freed to live as God has designed me to be. I'm overwhelmed by his love, transformed by his spirit, living in accordance with his word, following Christ, moving into the world and saying, how can I love you? And if you don't love me back, it'll hurt me, but no big deal because I don't find my ultimate significance in you anyway. Let's go. That's Christianity, folks, at the core. So I, I don't need a legalistic system. I'm free. But to be free doesn't mean I can move into license and do as I please. It means for the first time in my life, I'm free to live the way God designed me. And so are you. You know, when we work, um, we work with young Christians, I, 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 I'm sure I blow this. We, we all do. But often when I'm working with a new Christian, and they're beginning to grow in their Christian life with Christ. And they're saying, oh, Doug, what do you think I should do about whatever? And they'll say some kind of thing. And, and you know, I give them advice. It's not that I don't give them advice. But, but I'm always passing it through this sieve and saying to myself, you know what? I want them to live out of love for Christ by the power of the Spirit. I, I don't want them just to do something because Doug Finkbeiner does it. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I often say, well, you know what? I want you to go and read some of these passages in Scripture, and you come back to me, and you tell me what you think that might be about. Why? Because I'm trying to trick them? No. Because I really want them to buy into what they do because they really believe God's led them in accordance with his word as they seek to follow Christ. That's what I want at the core of the day. So when I'm dead and gone, it won't make any difference. They go on. Right? I mean, that's what we want to do with people whether the new Christians, whether they're our children, whatever the case may be. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, live free. I mean live free. You don't need systems, and you certainly shouldn't move into license. Live as God's designed you. Have Christ at the very core, and in faith toward Him, by the power of the Spirit, in accordance with the Word, Go out and love. Because you're free to do it without needing anything in return. Father, we celebrate on this day.